This is episode number 590 with Val Schmerkowski. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Albert Einstein once said, never give up on what you really want to do. The person with big dreams is more powerful than the one with all the facts. If this is your first time here at the School of Greatness, then welcome to the community. And if you are a regular, then welcome back to the party where every single week we bring you some of the most inspiring individuals, lessons, and principles to help you really get to that next step in your life. And today we've got Val Chmerkovsky, who is a Ukrainian-American professional dancer, best known for his appearances on Dancing with the Stars here in the U.S., which he won twice. He is a two-time World Latin Dance Champion, junior and youth, and a 14-time U.S. National Latin Dance Champion. Powerful. His new book, I'll Never Change My Name, is out March 8th, 2018. Make sure to grab a copy right now and pre-order it. In this episode, we talk about how dancing is viewed differently in Europe versus the U.S. in relation to masculinity. Why it's not uh, viewed as a masculine thing necessarily in the U.S., but it's more masculine in other parts of the world. Also, what ballroom dance taught Val about how to treat women with respect. Also, what makes an explosive captivating performance, whether you're on the dance floor, on a stage, or in front of a group of friends, what success is and what it's really measured by, how to get to a place of confidence if you aren't feeling that way, even when you're feeling down, how do we get to that place of confidence, that and so much more. Super excited about this one. Make sure to take a screenshot right now and share with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 590. Tag myself and Val as well over on Twitter and Instagram. And before we dive in, want to give a shout out to the fan of the week over on iTunes. The reviews we get every single week, we review them and shout someone out. And this week is Ed Brooks who said, over the years, I feel like Lewis chipped away at the rough Queens, New York exterior and made me a more compassionate man. Over the course of 11 days in 2018, I tested some of his suggestions to contribute more to others. It's made a profound impact on my personal health, my life, business, and as a husband. Thanks to you and your team, Ed from New York City. So Ed, we love you, man. We appreciate you. Thanks for being the fan of the week and leaving us a review over on iTunes. This is the year for you to continue to open up and chip away some of those rough edges. Don't take it fully away because that's part of who you are, but definitely lean into compassion so you don't let those rough edges hurt you so much anymore. So again, if you guys want to be considered as a shout out on the School of Greatness, just head over to iTunes and leave us a review on the podcast page there. All right, guys, let's dive into this episode. I'm super pumped for the one, the only, Val Chmarkovsky.
I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12-pack, head to Amazon and use promo code 20PUREleaf. That's promo code 20PUREleaf for 20% off. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, quick math. The less your business depends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite, and you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash greatness. netsuite.com slash greatness. Again, head to netsuite.com slash greatness. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. We've got the legendary world champion, Val Chmerkovsky. Is that how I say it? It's awesome. Chmerkovsky in the house. Dude, thank you so much for having me. So pumped that you're here, man. We got connected on Instagram. Love the Instagram. Probably, I don't know, like four or six months ago, we started following each other. And I was like, oh, just another dancer. I wonder if he's like interesting. But then, then we hung out, we got uh, to connect, and I was like, oh, you're actually a real dude who's got some great wisdom, great experiences. And you're much more than just a dancer on Dancing with the Stars, which a lot of people know you as. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many times have you won? Twice? Three I times? I won twice, yeah. You've won twice. You're a uh, world juniors and youth champion yeah. for Latin ballroom dancing, yeah. right? When you're, what, 14 and 15? 15 and 18. 15 and 18. So yeah. world championship. That must be cool to be considered a world champion, right? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, it's especially awesome. I mean, to, I mean I'm, I'm in my 30s now, so like at 15, 18, for me to still take pride in a, in a title I earned so long ago, it just means that much to me because mm-hmm. at that time, the, the junior world championships, I won a month after 9-11. And I grew up in, in New York. So just you know, seeing that moment and, and seeing it unfold and seeing the city come together and wow. being an immigrant for me, that was such a huge driving force to become the first ever junior world champion for the United States of America. 
as an immigrant. Yeah. Well, I mean, as an, as as a human oh, being, no one from the U.S. Had ever has won. ever won. What? Yeah. yeah. So we I, were the first U.S. to win World Championship Juniors. In juniors, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was huge, and so that's again, that's why I think it's. Some people might look at that and be like, wow, okay, it's silly. He's still holding on to some junior title he won when he was 15. Uh, but to me, it was, it was more than just a, a championship. It was more of my kind of uh, rite of passage of kind of earning my space in, in, in this country and you know, giving back in, in the smallest way. I mean, since then, I, I think I've given back a lot more. But yeah. for the time, I just really felt validated as, a, as an American. Absolutely. Wow. And again, I, you know, you had so many people that served uh, this country afterwards and, and, and you know and obviously paid their dues in a, in a lot more significant way than I had but as a dancer as a human like for me that that was a huge that was your best way as a teenager what you could yeah, do to yeah. represent yeah I feel, I feel like again I felt really at that moment standing on the podium and hearing our, our national anthem in Italy uh, and, and the second and third place couples were Italian and, and they were ranked first and kind of the top couples they were supposed to win really uh, and for me to kind of have that on the dog moment and, and for, for our country and, and to be able to like stand there and, and hear the national anthem played and see the flag I mean they had to like look for an American flag <laughs> no cause, way because really it's never been been the case before so it's, it really was, you know, in, in the late 90s, early 2000s, before Dancing with the Stars made ballroom dancing like the thing. Uh, it was like the Jamaican bobsled team to compete for the United States and in ballroom dancing because it was huge in Europe. Ballroom um, dancing is. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so for me to, you know, represent the United States, it, it was like, what? There's a couple from the States? I mean, there were competitions where we were the only you know, two people, my, my partner and I from the United States in the entire event. So And there's usually multiple couples from one country. Oh, yeah. You? Okay. So just to give you perspective, there's, you know, <laughs> Russian nationals is like in the junior category alone, then youth, then I'm in each category alone, like 500 couples. No, really? Uh, yeah. United States and Italy, like another 200 couples, you know, England, huge, Germany, huge. I mean, all of Western Europe is huge. So tons of competition. Tons of competition. Yeah. Ton in, in the States at that time, if we had a semifinals, it was huge. You know, so just sheer if numbers. If you made it to a semifinals. No, no, no. If you've had enough couples to make up a semifinals mm. or 24, meaning like 20 couples in the, in the entire United States of America. You know, so if, right. you, if you think we're a huge country, yes. And we, you know, we, we excel in so many things, yes. Ballroom dancing was not one of them until, like I said, until this Eastern European community moved into Brooklyn and set up shop and, and made mm -hmm. this like cultural tradition which you know again in the eastern european tradition like dancing is not soft for men to do why is that why is it you know a strong or masculine thing over there but over here until now i guess or it's starting to shift right. it's looked at as soft or weak or feminine or girly or i don't know i mean listen i'm not giving told. you know eastern europe that much credit i mean it's still looked at as you know somewhat of 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 not the most masculine thing you could do relative to boxing or 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 wrestling or things like that but i mean yeah still it, it, you know we celebrate our dancers like Borishnikov and you know Nureyev like 
And we did to some degree, you know, the Fred Astaire's and Arthur Murray's and, and you mm-hmm. know, to some degree, Michael Jackson, and et cetera. But there's definitely been like a renaissance in this country in the last 15 years to, because of shows like Dancing with the Stars mm-hmm. and So You Think You Can Dance uh, that really showcase another side of, of dance, especially when it comes to male dancers. Yeah. You know, for us, if you can, if you could have the discipline to control your body and that type of range, you know, as an athlete, we respect athletes because of their ability to do extraordinary things. Uh, if you're able to have that athleticism while partnering a lady, while displaying artistry all at the same time, like, what can be better than that? Mm-hmm. I've, I heard from someone who said that dancers are God's athletes. The athletes of, God. athletes of the yeah, gods, yeah, right? Yeah. Have you heard yeah. that? Or is yeah, that- yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I grew up playing sports my whole life, so I, I didn't approach dance as, a, as an art form. You know, I, I approached dance growing up as a, as a sport. You really? Know, hence it all these competitions. It was a sport. It was a sport. You approached me. it as like, we're going to practice where there's competitions right. on a weekly or monthly basis. Right. There are prizes. Right. I can't whole... eat like, you know, I got to eat right. Uh, I got to stretch and, and, you know, and, and run and, and raise my stamina and, really? you know, and do like these supplementary exercises to, to stay in shape. Yeah. Like, I mean, for me, like I said, that's how I treated it. When that's you grew how... up in the U.S. or when you grew up? When I, I started dancing in the States, I have an older brother, Max, and he started dancing in Ukraine uh, because of just an after-school activity. My mm-hmm. parents never danced. It wasn't a big thing in our family at all. But it was celebrated in the country. Yeah, in the country, it was, like I said, it was, it was a thing that, you know, it's not the national sport. I don't right. want to make You're not playing soccer. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no, <laughs> yeah, or playing hockey. But uh, it was definitely a cool thing to do. You know, my parents... The, the way it came around is, is my brother was put into this after-school activity, um, after-school program, rather, that, that taught young boys, you know, chivalry and etiquette and all mm-hmm. these things. And so there was, like, you know, table manner classes and, and you know, some, some other class. And one of them was uh, a, a ballroom dance class, just so, you, you, you know, you know how to present a lady, you know how to curtsy and pay mm-hmm. respect to one another. Uh, and cl- maybe even, you know, we talked about that, too, is, like, you know, ballroom dance really made me comfortable around a lady and, and, and made me less awkward and maybe, yeah. you know, because, so that was probably all part of that uh, class as well. And so, you know, then, then the dance teachers are always recruiting, especially boys, you know, because there's so little of, of them dancing. So she came up to, to my parents and was like, wow, you know, your, your son really has got potential to my brother. <laughs> and maybe he didn't have any potential right. at all, but, you know, they'll take a body. And, and so uh, they were like, all right, man, okay, fine. And so they signed them up to, to actual dance class. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And when we moved to the States, uh, you know, my parents couldn't drive us everywhere. So it's like, my brother's going to dance, you're going with him, you know. Right. While they, well, they did other things. And so I started dancing really in the States. When did you realize that you had like a passion for it as opposed to just, this is something my mom takes me to? And I don't know, man. Like, I've definitely... Uh, you know, built a new relationship with dance after I joined Dancing with the Stars, which is crazy because, you know, to some degree you, you moved to Hollywood and, and you know, it, it was kind of selling out a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, right. pursuing a TV show rather than, you know, living out of a suitcase as a, as a struggling artist. You mm-hmm. know, that, that was my life before Dancing with the Stars. Uh, but I was fulfilled, you know, my pride was, I mean, I got a bank full of pride till that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... 
but my whole life really was you know until Dancing with the Stars I really looked at it as a sport more than more than anything mm. and also my kind of way out of the situation I was in that was my kind of source towards success and and, and financial stability and, and all that dancing so, was your yeah, your yeah. way out to become financially successful right right even though how many dancers make money in the world very few in ballroom dancing right, right. in any dancing right, very right. few it, not a lot of artists period make money anything creative like that but like i said for me it was the tools that i learned competing in ballroom definitely i can apply to everything else mm-hmm. you know now when you were done i guess high school Moving on, did you say I'm going to pursue being a professional ballroom dancer and like compete around the world and trying to win, I guess, the seniors championship, right. world championships, or and how much money can you make doing that if you're like the top five couples? I, I just like, like I said, I definitely was not driven by money at all because there wasn't really much right. money. I, I I appreciated that I had a tool that at 12 year old, 12 years old, I my first job I, I danced in a Russian restaurant on Brighton Beach like on Coney Island with, with my brother. It was a two-couple show. And we were getting like 25 bucks uh, to, you know, sometimes while that tacky live band plays. I mean, I'm sure you've seen like sure. a, a mob movie before where, you know, yeah, 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 <laughs> like a Russian restaurant scene. So you got like <laughs> the live band playing like synthesized tacky music. Uh, but then you also have like this cabaret showcase or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my partner and I, my brother and his partner, the four of us, would come out and, and do like a ten dance performance, mm. uh, and yeah, and I get twenty five bucks, and then you know I saved up like two hundred bucks and bought myself a, a Game Boy, then saved up some money, bought myself a pair of Jankos. I don't know if anybody knows Jankos. <laughs> like, no offense to Janko, like probably one of the worst fashion right uh, moments in in the history, but <laughs> it was like the coolest thing in the nineties. Sure. Obviously, my parents are not spending that money on, on like, you know, this excess denim mm-hmm. floating from your waist. Uh, but I wanted some to fit in in school. So, like, right. I earned that Janko, you know, and I bought my first pair and with my own money. So, for me, I had this relationship with dance as my source of providing, you know, first of all. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was 12 and, and it wasn't really maybe a long-term goal at right. all. But, you know, I, I never really... I felt bad until this day. I don't have like long, long-term goals. I just, my overall, that are clear. I, I have these vague kind of, I just want to be successful and I want to be able to uh, be, you know, prov- kind of provide for myself and the world around yeah. me. As, as I guess as far as I could see, I want to be able to provide for, you know, so... It's my immediate family at first, then it's my, you know, circle of friends and then right. beyond and beyond. And, and you know, now as, as much as I could travel and, and, and help in, in places that I, I don't have like a family tied to, I, I'm, I'm driven to do so. Yeah. And, and, you know, dance has become that vehicle for me. So right. I'm very grateful that, you know, and it's only recently that I really forgave my parents for putting me into dance. Really? <laughs> But I, I'm definitely grateful that things turned out the way they, they mm-hmm. did. Um, and at the same time, I'm like, I, you know, if it wasn't dance, it might have been something else. Yeah, know? but you're also a classically trained violinist. Yeah. At I, a high level, right? I, pl- I played violin for 16 years. That was really the, the art, you know, like, I, I think, you know, first of all, I was great, you know, I, I was blessed with the best parents ever. And I think mm-hmm. that's really the key to, to my success to be honest, at least one of the major keys. 
Uh, and, and they, as parents, just kind of put me into so many different things. And I think sports is important. It teaches you, you know, besides giving you the strength physically and, mm-hmm. and, and having you connect to your body, which is important, uh, it, it teaches you camaraderie and, and, and how to be part of a team, which I think down the line really helps you out. Um, I think creativity and, and being part of the arts and, and helping you, you know, develop the, the creative part of, of, of your upbringing, I think is important. And academia, I think, yeah. is really important. Yeah. So those three things were were huge for my parents. And, yeah. and violin was my art. So uh, they put me to, to music school when I was five. That was back in Ukraine. And our music school was like the most well-known. It was like the Juilliard of, of the Soviet Union, hmm. of Eastern Europe, you know. And so uh, I got in, and then when we, and I started playing violin. And then at eight, when we moved to Brooklyn, they found a, a teacher, again, a, a Ukrainian immigrant that, that was a violin teacher. She was a little older, and she was teaching outside of her apartment, mm-hmm. you know, out, out of her apartment. Yeah. And they signed me up, and I would come take private lessons. Her husband was a professor of uh, Russian literature and history, and so he would teach me like Russian po- poetry and, and, mm. and literature from the great Russian writers Pushkin, Lermontov, and then she would teach me violin for like two hours. Wow! And then and every then she, day, uh, like three times a week. Wow! And then she had me sign up for a youth orchestra in Manhattan, and and with that youth orchestra, I became con- concert master of that orchestra, and then I got a chance to play in Carnegie Hall and Lincoln Center and. That's amazing, man. And play, you know, and then that's the thing. It's like people hear, oh, Carnegie Hall, Lincoln Center, and nursing homes, and like you know, hospitals, and mm-hmm. and and so many other places like that also were just as fulfilling of, mm-hmm. of performance spaces sure. as a Carnegie Hall. Right. What was the biggest lessons that dance has taught you in general about being a great human being? Uh, again, I mean, when, when you're a kid growing up, it's not like you're taking, ta- you know, taking notes on, oh, that was a great lesson I just learned right. about, you know, humility. But as you think back now. But as I, I look back in hindsight, you know, I'm so grateful because it definitely taught me uh, camaraderie. I think camaraderie is so huge, at least in my life, uh, being part of a team and, and, you know, kind of having a common goal between two people, so, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and having the... You know, not having the ego to you know want the spotlight for 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 myself only, but to be able to share the spotlight with someone else, and I'm a lot more comfortable actually now that I look at it like yeah. sharing the spotlight. So in a way, my partner and I won juniors, and we both stood on that pedestal together. You know, sharing that first place together, and, mm-hmm. and I think that was huge. And the fact that, and again, in hindsight, looking back at the fact that it was with a girl that I shared that moment with and I and I create you know created that camaraderie with a female you mm-hmm. know not this fraternal world of sports that is kind of very fraternal or 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 female driven you know yeah. it's like male male sports and female sports and it still keeps them divided right I think it was cool that I got to be a teammate with, with a girl my whole life and, and learn how to you know from an from a sports perspective you know, be a teammate with, with, with the female, but then like from a life perspective, I mean, I learned a lot about, you know, connecting with the, with the female mm-hmm. and then for, through, you know, 
with an eight-year-old, 10-year-old girl at that time, 12, 15, 18, you know, and then seeing the evolution of yeah. human nature amongst boys and girls was like crazy too. So. Crazy, man. But it was nice to, again, grow up with a female you so present gained, in my life. Yeah, and you probably gained so much confidence just yeah. in general life, right? From Yeah, yeah, for sure. Leading your partner, a female right, partner, right. and like having to be attentive and listening and really being right. aware. Cause as in a, tune, yeah. Right, because as a as a, a male leader in a and a male female partnership of dance, mm-hmm. you really got to be connected and listening to all the so- signals and signs. Right? right, all the energy. If something's off, is she right. feeling it? Is she not? Is, is she disconnected? And how to quickly shift that if you want to have right. a great performance? Right, and how you are only as good. Excuse me, as you're only as good as your partner. You yeah. know, as your teammate and as she is, you know, and so for me, like if she's having an off day, I have a role in, in making that a better, better day for her. Mm. Um. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. In person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But yeah, and then outside of that, performing. I think it's it's so awesome even if I ended up being a lawyer or or a doctor. the, The ability to, since I was a kid, stand in front of an audience, whether it's an audience of, of, you know, 20 elderly people in a nursing home or thousands of millions of people on Dancing with the Stars or, you know, back in those days, you know, performing, roll out. I mean, the venue always changed. Yeah. Uh, but my approach of, of that, that accountability and, and, and being able to kind yeah. of 
step up to the occasion really helped me out down the road for sure. What do you think are the key elements to having an, an explosive performance in terms of just chemistry and connection to the audience is just wowed? What are those elements that need to come from you or need to come from your partner and need to come together? I mean, I, I, I thought about that. I, I think authenticity is, is, is a huge thing. Uh, like we're, you know, I, I have a tour this spring. We're going on the road, and mm-hmm. it's the, kind of the follow up to to a tour we did two years ago with my brother, and it's it's like it meant a lot to us, and it did really well. Um, and now we're going out on tour again, and I'm thinking like, how are we gonna make this the best tour ever? Uh, I mean, do I think of myself as the best dancer in the world? No, not really, honestly. Uh, so how am I gonna produce mm-hmm. the best product people have ever seen? And I realized like the best is really just you at your best, at your best, like the most authentic you you can create. The, the, that's the best version of what what you can create. Period. Mm-hmm. You know. And so I'm, I'm I learn a lot from others. I observe, and I, I don't have the ego to say that's not nothing worth my time. I <laughs> very in tune with what others are doing, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really. You know, very complimentary of what what others do, but ultimately, I, I take what I can from from learning from them. But then, you know, I I make it as authentically me as possible. And yeah. so, you know, back to your question, I think people are really inspired by seeing people just super comfortable and authentically themselves. You know, whether they're playing ball or whether they're performing, dancing. Yeah. I think it's just or like playing music, creating music, I think anybody that's creating uh, are the most powerful when they're, mm-hmm. you know, can exude that authenticity. How do you get to that place if you don't feel comfortable with yourself? Practice. Yeah. You know, I, I think ultimately it's like, it's not so, I don't know, it's, 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 it's pretty like, it's not so fancy, you know, the, the, like the road to success isn't as, as fancy or as, as like complex as people make it it's like honestly just action is really important doing like wake up cons- mm-hmm. be consistent in, in your preparation uh and 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 it, it'll probably like you know most likely will add up like it's it's, it's really mathematically yeah. proven formula of like the more you do something the more likely you will succeed in that yeah. you know it's like the chances are higher now there's no guarantees obviously but mm-hmm. You you raising the chances of your success by by right, continuously doing something. But yeah, preparation. I grew up. My dad had wrote this huge quote over his uh, his uh, desk because at the dance studio, you know, my, my dad owned the dance studio. Ultimately, he got into the business of dance because my brother was you know wanted to open up a dance studio. Yeah. So he was the teacher, and my my dad kind of managed that. And so I, I was there every day, and over his desk is. His favorite quote is, fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. And pretty, like, I mean, to some degree, it's pretty shallow of a phrase. I mean, it's definitely a cliche that everyone knows now. Uh, but I'm old school like that. I really yeah. believe that, that, yeah. you know, confidence. It's like chicken or the egg. What comes first, the confidence or, 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 or you know, or the, the great performance? You know, you have a great performance, so you start believing in yourself. Then you have the confidence, or do you have to have confidence first mm-hmm. to to really perform yes. at your best? But honestly, it's just like work. You know, that's the 
it's like the the poster you have yeah you know it's like an iceberg and, and people really just the performance is just the tip of the iceberg mm -hmm. behind it is is all the the meat of it absolutely when you're approaching uh you know a new partner either on the show or a performance you want to do in general but when you have a new partner that you're supposed to go on a journey with mm -hmm. and you have a competition dancing with the stars performances whatever it is How do you approach that? Maybe it's someone who is a good performer and has confidence in themselves. Maybe it's someone who's never danced in their lives. Mm -hmm. How do you approach connecting with them in order to get the best performance out of someone? Uh, I, I mean, at first I, I just try to connect to them like on a human level. You know, I, mm -hmm. I think I'm a pretty cool guy, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if it's too hard. No, but I, I. I, I Like I said, I try to win them over in terms of just making them feel like I have their best intentions in mind. You know, mm -hmm. I'm here. At, you know, I, this is the first thing I say. Like I'm, I'm, at, I'm here for you. I'm, you know, loosely speaking, at your service. I mean, I'm not, but mm -hmm. I, I am here. F I'm, I'm, at your service when it comes to you fulfilling yourself in this competition. And and that can't be. You know, you will never reach your peak without your own effort. Mm -hmm. But you have a hundred percent of my undivided, un, 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 unconditional attention and effort, and uh, I'm here for you, you know. And so, hopefully, that gives them a little bit of confidence, gives them a little bit of inspiration to match that intensity and match that passion that I have yeah. for them. You know, I, I want to. I guess the way I put it is, I have to earn my, my voice, you know, and and I use it at rehearsal. I really use it, mm -hmm. you know. I, I'm I'm tough, uh, but I got to earn that. Yeah, and, and I earned that by, you know, walking the walk, not just demanding things from them. Like you got to do more, and you got to be better. But actually, you know, earning that kind of demand first right. by actually showing up and, and doing it myself. Mm -hmm. hmm. But then, yeah, but then it's then it just put you know, then it pushes the person to to really squeeze every ounce of their effort into the project, and that always ends up being. A win for them, whether we yeah. win or not, they walk away like, damn, like I could actually apply myself to anything and really, really accomplish anything I want. I mean, how random is this? I actually became a ballroom dancer out of nowhere. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. It really isn't so much about the dancing as much as the growth of the person. Sure. Uh, and dance is such, is such a great, again, it's just such a great platform with. With such a great tool to to connect to people. I mean, when I I started, you know that I salsa dance. I showed you a little 15 yeah. second clip. And when I started learning how to salsa dance, I think it was about 12 years ago, 11, 12 years ago. It gave me so much more confidence with everything else in my life. You know, Why? just having the skill to knowing that I could do it whenever I needed to with anyone who could understand, because it's a language. Yeah. It's like you either speak the language or you don't. You can't really fake understanding Spanish. You can kind of get some stuff, but people are going to know that you're not from a Spanish-speaking country right. unless you really speak it fluently. And when I started learning it, it was one of the most terrifying things I'd ever done. <laughs> right? For three months, I was terrified. Why? I think I was terrified because I didn't want to look silly. I didn't want to look stupid because I, I couldn't do it. I wasn't good. And so I, I, and I always remember telling girls who wanted to dance with me because I lived above a jazz club that would play jazz and have salsa dancing uh, once a week. And I would go down and watch. And I was fascinated by just all the salseros who were out there. And I was like the only tall white guy in the building. 
And all these girls would ask me to dance. And I was like, no, I don't want to make you look bad. I would say that all the time. I don't mm. want to make you look bad. Really, I didn't want to look bad. <laughs> but I also would, was embarrassed because I didn't want to make them right. look bad. Because all these guys were look, making them look amazing. Right. And I was like, there's no way I could do that. And it wasn't until, you know, after a few months, I finally was convinced to try it out. And I did more. And then I finally just dove in and said, I'm going to make people look stupid. I'm going to look stupid until I figure it out. Mm-hmm. And it took me a few months until I remember I, I finally, I couldn't figure out how to do a double turn like mm-hmm. in one uh, in one moment. I could do a single turn and then go back into the steps, right. but I couldn't double turn or, or triple turn or, or four turns. It's gotta be in the same time. Yeah, same yeah. time, right? And I couldn't figure it out. Like my hand was all messed up, I didn't know how to do it. And then one day someone finally taught me how to do it and it was like all of a sudden I was fluent in salsa dancing. I like finally got it, mm-hmm. right? And I had so much confidence with everything I was doing after that. It was like the thing that was getting in the way. And it just made sense after that. I didn't have to count steps. I could just feel the music. I Mm. could feel the music and I could connect with my partner as opposed to looking down at my feet. And like trying to see where's the the one beat, where's the five beat, you know, I didn't have to count anymore. And it gave me so much more confidence in my life. I had such a respect for women in general after that, so much more. And I would go out to the salsa club two, three times a week. And I remember for me, it became an art. It was like something I, I appreciated very much where it wasn't like, how can I go like hit on girls? I yeah. really wanted to appreciate the experience. And it built such incredible relationships with mm-hmm. people through, I mean, the, the, the dancing world, the, the, the people are so wise and caring and giving and cultured and intelligent and just all doing really creative things. And I just really appreciated my experience. Yeah. I still do. Yeah. But I feel like it gave me so much confidence with speaking on stage, with doing interviews, with connecting with humans in general. Right. Because it was like the ultimate um, insecurity. You're putting yourself out there on a dance floor mm-hmm. in front of one person and in front of everyone else. Yeah. So it's ultimate vulnerability. Yeah. Right? And you, actually, have to, yeah. you have to put yourself out there in order to connect to get a great experience. Yeah. Like you said, you've got to be authentic. Yeah, you have to be authentic. And I mean, that's where the partner kind of comes into play as well. I got I got a lot of confidence from my partner as well. You know, it's not just me giving to them, but I, I get so much more mm-hmm. in return, you know? So it's like, when you talk about standing in front of an audience uh, and performing in front of people, like I drew a lot of inspiration and strength from my teammate from my partner. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's, it's a language too. And I, I forget about that. It's, it's so awesome to be able to connect with people. It's through amazing. Dance, through yeah. And I remember, you know, I think at first I wanted to look good. And then I said, all I want to do is make my partner look good. And I think when you make your other person look really good, mm-hmm. you look really good. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? As opposed yeah. to making it about you and having to do all this right. little solo stuff. When you're just like, how can I listen to my partner and connect? And like, see how she's feeling. Am I spinning her too many times? Is she right. getting tired? Like, how can I really make it an experience for right. her? I mean, on the most shallow level, like that's the sexiest thing about it. It's right. like when, that's when I look my best. Is when I present my lady in a way that makes her look like a queen. Mm-hmm. Then in return, you know, I, I'm a reflection of that. Uh, my coach always said, like, when you come out to perform, you want all the females watching. You know, to look at her and be like, man, look at her perform. He must be so great to dance with. Right. I want to look like that girl. Yeah. Right. You see her perform and 
everyone wants to be dancing with you. Right, and I think it goes for relationships as well. <laughs> you know, I mean, if if my significant other is unhappy and you know is on its reflection you know, on of inspired, you, yeah, like it may not all be a reflection of absolutely, you. Absolutely, yeah, but I, yeah, I mean, to, to some degree, yes, everyone's independent and everyone's yeah, strong, course. and et cetera, et cetera. But we all need a little, you know, love sometimes, and mm -hmm. part of that love is is you know being supportive and, and be, you know inspiring the other motivating that other person mm -hmm. and and I get a lot of that you know through my experience with dance yeah did you ever get made fun of being in America dancing all the time going oh, to these yeah, classes all the time. like you're not you're a little girl you're not masculine enough yeah, yeah, you're all, all the time a little wussy little dancer boy what do people say? Bro, my name is Valentine you know I'm, I was a ballerina ballerina like uh -huh. I, I was a million things um, but it's more masculine in you know Eastern Europe, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, more yeah. celebrated. Yeah, it's a little more celebrated. Ultimately, like, um, it was tough. But at the same time, I'm not gonna like dwell on it. Like, I'm mm -hmm. not gonna sit here. Oh, I was really bullied. Like, of course I was bullied. But I also think that that's kind of part of life. You know, people yeah. are not gonna all celebrate you all the mm -hmm. time like they're mm -hmm. gonna be people they're gonna look at what you're doing and, and laugh at that yeah um but do i say like am i gonna say that that motivated me even more eh, not really like it, it just I, I i'm lucky enough to have had other voices that were so much louder mm -hmm. in my life and so much more prominent that keeping you focused yeah those, I, I muted those voices out mm -hmm. pretty quickly and i really loved it like yeah. you know you couldn't talk me out of it like yeah you know what i'm saying as much as i wanted to fill it fit in in school uh i i i wasn't gonna compromise what you know the happiness i was feeling dancing to mm -hmm. to do so i just kept it to myself i mean to, to right. be honest i did keep it to myself i, I was winning competitions and uh, and and maybe that is another thing that kind of Helped me with my ego check as well as like no one even knew. no one knew you know <laughs> and so I would come into school I had to fit in on 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 you know those other levels of of, of cafeteria politics you know right. which is you know sports I was always great at sports I played basketball I was up on you know just cultural things or local culture of, of mm -hmm. you know growing up in, in in Brooklyn like hip hop was huge so I, not not to not I didn't do it to fit in, but like I, I was a product of the culture around me, and I was pretty cool and, and social, and you know, right, I just right. I had this little secret that after really? school I went and and and, and ballroom dance. So in high school, people didn't know that you were doing this. No, I mean, the first thing in elementary school, I, I actually tell the story in the book, but like uh, before I even learned English that well. Um, my school put on a play, Happy Days, and I played Potsy. And so I didn't get the Fonzie, obviously, spot or any of the cool kids, but I got Potsy, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, and and they had like a little dance that they, you know, she choreographed like a little two-step, whatever. And you were like and I killed a it. machine. Oh, yeah. it was a machine. <laughs> People were like, what and was is this kid? Yeah, 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 exactly. And, I, and it was the first time I got to communicate and, and, and connect you know, and that was my language, you know, before English became my language. Mm. Uh, and so that I kind of blew my cover on that. But it was already too late for kids to not like me. You know, they were already friends with me because I'm, I'm like their, their right. favorite teammate to play ball with. You know, so it's too late to just like disown me now that they know I'm a ballroom dancer. Right. 
Right. Uh, so I definitely don't make it the first thing I say. I don't go to a club and like, <laughs> hey, I'm Val, I'm I'm extraordinary dancer. You know? <laughs> this is really the last thing I say, uh, not because I'm trying to keep it, um, keep it away from people, mm-hmm. but I, I just. You know, first of all, I'm a human being. You know, the the, the the worst thing right now, you know, with with my celebrity, my pseudo-celebrity status is like, I always hear it, you know, why don't you just stick to dancing? Like, keep your opinion to yourself, stick to dancing. I hate that. Like, I, it kills me because, mm-hmm. like, before I am a dancer, I'm a human being, you know, with the thought process and, and emotions and, and, like, a whole emotional palette and, and an opinion and a train of thought and... You know, before we even get to dancing being a, a big part of my life, there's so many more other, you know, so many other parts of my life that really dictate my, you know, decision making sure. and personality and who I am. So, yeah, I mean, dance, I, dance has been great to me, you know. But like I said, now as I as I grow older, I'm I'm building a new relationship with mm. it, and I appreciate it even more now. <clears throat> Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this, assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third-generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake caliper. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game or when you're hiring for your business and you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Do you think dancing, becoming a great dancer has a you become a better man do you think it correlates with one another when you understand how to dance with a partner and really treat them well on the dance floor that that translates I think so yeah I think to, to a degree I mean right. look, I'm not vouching for the entire dance community yeah, like, yeah, there yeah. are a lot of uh, you know I don't know if misogynistic is the right word but like the, there's there's definitely a lot of discrepancy there mm-hmm. as well yeah. I think you know people are going to be people regardless you know, of course in general but me personally for myself 
uh, yeah, it definitely played a role, you know, just even, even that train of thought of, you know, even, you know, when we bow at the end of the dance, it's, I'm, I'm always in shadow position, mm, you know, behind. because, yeah, because I, I'm, I'm saying thank you and, and I'm saying thank you, you know, and I'm presenting like the piece of work, you know, I'm the frame. I'm a fancy frame, you know, gold encrusted and everything. But she's really the, you know, the work of art. And, you know, together we create this experience that you get to see every time, you know, every time you look at us perform. Uh, that principle, you know, taken into the real world when I go out with my lady, uh, I'm really not trying to be front and center. Uh, and, and maybe she isn't either, uh, but I'm much more... I'm a much more giving individual and, and a much more like inclined towards, you know, presenting the, <laughs> no, you, yeah, yeah. you go get the table. Yeah, I mean, maybe to a degree that that, yeah. that, that helped me with that. Mm. That's um, cool. But there's also physicality behind it that probably helped me out a lot. You know? Like what? Um, just being able to embrace often <laughs> and, and not you know be comfortable with uh you know the close proximity when, when it comes to at least meeting meeting girls understanding the distance you know mm. respecting the distance you know uh but also being comfortable with you know organically you know making that distance smaller and smaller you know metaphorically right. speaking yeah of course wow man um what's the biggest failure you think you've faced in your life my biggest failure I mean I fail all the time you know so I, I, I nothing comes up in my head because I just don't like I'm not really looking at my failures I, I try to keep them moving mm. no pun intended but <laughs> yeah, I, try to, I try to keep it moving like it's hard not to obviously it's not there's no like secret formula but I think it's it's already I'm it's already a win when you try you know and, and it's well, I'm the last person to talk about you know participation awards I'm, I'm so you know against that I'm, mm -hmm. I'm last you know I'm old school when it comes to that yeah but it's first what, second and third yeah <laughs> yeah but ultimately it's like you, you do you know what, what they say and it's, I'm not I'm, I'm not the one that that said this but like you either win or you learn you know mm. the, the reality is when you give it everything you have and that's the key it's like when you give 99% of it eh, you know no it's like you got to give 100% of what you have and when you do I mean how can you ever feel like you, you failed right you know so my biggest failure is, is when I didn't give it my all you know but uh, when I did it was always a success I mean to some degree you could even I mean, who said that me being on Dancing with the Stars, me winning Junior Worlds, or me being two-time Mirror Bowl champion is, is success by any stretch of the imagination, you know? Success is a relative term. I find it success because I gave it every, absolutely every ounce of what I had every single time. So that's how I measure success. Mm, yeah. What's the thing you're most proud of that most people maybe don't know about you? It's like, uh, like, it's like like your hair. I know. It's looking clean. I got it, man. I got a fro. I got to keep it down. <laughs> uh, what am I most proud of? I'm, I'm most proud of... I mean, I'm most proud of being a, a, 
a good son and, and a great brother and a decent friend and like those those things I'm most proud of. Um, I'm, I'm most proud, you know, of, of being able to buy my mom a car mm-hmm. like a, two years ago, three years ago. That was a proud moment of mine. Um, and then outside of that, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud that that I was lucky enough in my life with all the influence and all the experiences that I had that, you know, as much of an ego as I may have, it, it never kept me away from learning and never mm-hmm. stopped me from looking at someone else and being like, wow, that was awesome. Yeah. And, and ask, you know, how, how did you do that? Or, or be a fan of other people's work. And I really think that that really helped me a lot because I'm, I'm never too cool to learn something new. Mm-hmm. Biggest lesson your parents taught you? Well, my mom probably just, you know, eat my vegetables. <laughs> Um, my dad, yeah, I, you know, my, my dad is, the biggest lesson I, I learned from my dad is, I think, is in line with how you do anything is how you do everything. And so his whole thing is like, I don't care what you want to be or what you go, you know, what you want to pursue, uh, but you better give it like a hundred you know, hundred percent of your effort every single time. So, if you were, you know, if you want to be a, a garbage man, you know, you t- when you take out the garbage, you take out the garbage better than anybody has ever taken it out. You mm-hmm. know, if you're gonna dance, you're gonna you're gonna dance better than any, anyone has ever performed. You know, and give that much effort. If you're gonna play ball, you're gonna be the best basket. You know, so for him, it was more about squeezing every ounce of you to try to you know achieve excellence in a- everything that you do. Right. Uh, rather than like pursue this or pursue this, mm-hmm. he, he never told me what to do in that sense. All he did was kind of guide me to be at my best all the time. Was he too hard ever? Was he kind of like pushing you to practice and train? Like yeah, kind of too much, or was it just the right amount? No, I think it was just the right amount. I, I think no. Ultimately, it's like the the. the the biggest lessons I learned are really not by him preaching anything to me, but just by his actions. You know, this was a, you know, my parents were 35 years old when they picked up, you know, two, two grown, grown kids, 14 and eight, and left their entire life, their ancestry. Like, people don't, don't realize that. Like, when, when people immigrate to America, they, they really, like, leave everything behind. So to be 35 years old, two kids, family and friends and, and to just get up with no job prospect, nothing, and, and leave to another country, yeah. set up shop. And then, you know, I'm young, but I'm, I was very present. So I, I remember the everyday struggle and sacrifice. And, you know, like I said, my dad, I mean, to some other, on some other level, like my dad also could have abandoned the family, like 35, really driven, ambitious, handsome, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you could have just been like, this is really hard. I'm, why, why I gotta work in a pizzeria right now to, to right. feed four mouths when I could be out and, you know, and just take care of one. Uh, but he never did, you know? And so actions like that, he stuck it out and, and you know, realized potential for two of his sons to, to go on. And I mean, what are the chances of two Ukrainian kids that, that immigrated to Brooklyn, grew up, uh, you know, ballroom dancing, find themselves in Hollywood, the most one of the most competitive you know industries in the world, on 
one of the top TV shows of, of this generation at the same time. You know, that's a, that's a result of my parents, my parents' sacrifices. You know, and so that, that, those are the biggest lessons. You know, he, he gave me like a size 23 shoe to fill. So right. as a father, as a man, as, a, as, a, as an entrepreneur, as a human, like that's somebody that I idolize and learned a lot from, not in some specific message he, he gave me, but more of like everyday action that he put in. Every mm-hmm. day until this day he does. You know, now mm-hmm. I have to, I lecture him on things. You know, I, I try to help him out and, and give mm-hmm. him some guidance because he's so, you know, not stuck in his ways, but like sometimes I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, there's a lot more to life besides, <laughs> right, right. you know, showing up to work. Yeah, wow. And what's the greatest uh, gift that Dancing with the Stars has given you? Of the opportunity to, to connect to so many people uh, and then on a smaller scale the opportunity to help someone else such yeah. a vast degree uh, I never thought in my life that this project was going to give me that opportunity you know I thought I was going to LA to showcase my my dance ability and yeah i'll teach real quick but ultimately it's it's really about me and and Mm -hmm. showing my talent and you know like i said i've built a whole new french uh relationship with dance because of the show uh and most mostly because it it put me in a role that i found myself embracing so much more than i ever thought i would and that's the role of a mentor and guide and, and a caretaker for for you know in my case uh, these celebrities that come on, onto the show, not exp- you know, having no expectations and, and leaving with it being one of the more monumental moments of their life and life-changing right. experiences. For almost everyone that goes on the show and stays on for a while, it's yeah, it's a life-changing experience for most. When they say, I, I would, I would say so. And then, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I could only speak on my own behalf. You know, right. people that I've, I've had the pleasure to be partnered with. Like I said, I think just having one other person show their unconditional, mm-hmm. undivided attention and effort towards them really inspire them to, you know, go all out and, yeah. and, and do any, you know, pursue whatever mm. whatever they, they want. Mm. You got a new book that's coming out, <laughs> and uh, it's called "I'll Never Change My Name: yes. An Immigrant's American Dream from Ukraine to the USA to Dancing with the Stars." Make sure you guys go get the book. Uh, you can pre-order it or get it out right now. Barnes and Noble, Amazon, all those places. Um, where can they connect with you online personally? Uh, I'm 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 really present on Instagram. Yeah, I'm at I am Val C. I guess I changed my name. <laughs> you shortened um, it for that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm getting better with social media. It's, it's just a lot. But what is Instagram, it? Facebook. Yeah, and do you have a personal website as well or no? No. No, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. I am Val C. And what's the main thing they're going to gain from this book? Why Why should they get this? What's What's in this that they should know? Uh, I mean, in terms of the title, at least, you know, I'll never change my name is, is within the context of the conversation. One of the things I've experienced joining Dancing with the Stars is, is how I quickly became the Russian kid. Uh, and I'm, first of all, Ukrainian, which is whatever, <laughs> I mean, which is cool. Uh, but 
you know, the conversation we had about how proud I am of being the first American to ever win a junior world title for this country ever, uh, you know, 17 years into living in this country, being proud to be an American. I, I joined this incredible show with, with, in which I am the Russian kid, mm -hmm. you know, and I guess the whole idea is that Chmerkovsky will never sound less foreign, you know, but it doesn't make me less of an American or less proud to be an American or less driven uh, to, to make this country a better place. Um, and even, even that message alone, I think, can help a lot of people. You know, Valentin Chmerkovsky is not, you know, John Smith or, or Johnson or, or anything that's, you know, American. blooded American. But like I said, I, and with the conversation of immigrants, you know, right now, it's so, it's so important to, to know that as an immigrant, the last thing I ever felt was entitlement. And the first and the most, you know, motivating thing I've ever felt was mm -hmm. gratitude. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was, I'm so grateful. Till this day, I'm so grateful to that to my parents for making the trip, uh, but ultimately to this country for opening its doors and giving mm -hmm. me a chance. And, you know, hopefully in next generation, because of, you know, Maxim and Val Chmerkovsky, who made this impossible to pronounce last name, a household name now, um, hopefully Chmerkovsky won't sound as foreign to people next yeah. generation. Like, I don't know, like an Italian last name now doesn't sound as, as mm -hmm. foreign. An Irish last name doesn't sound as foreign. Uh, you know, a Jewish last name doesn't sound as foreign. You know, but these were all, you know, early 19th century, 20th century, you know, you would, you would listen to those last names and be like, immigrant. Now it's as American as it gets. True, true. And also, if you think about it, most, I mean, most of us are immigrants. I mean, yes, my this great, country great, is my built. grandmother's mom came over and parents came over from Italy and my other side came over from England and Wales. Yeah. It just wasn't my parents. Right. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a They're product of an immigrant, you know, family. Right, though, lineage. You know? Yeah, so. We all are. Uh, but yeah, but it, this isn't a political book at all. It's, it's just one, one nuance that I'm, I'm proud to talk about because I think it's an important conversation to have. Gratitude, like, just, just so grateful, you know? Mm -hmm. no, one, no one's coming into to this country to, and again, I'm, I'm, I don't want to generalize. There, there are a lot of, you know, I, I speak for myself and, and at least the circle of immigrant yeah. friends that I have uh, is that the feeling is like, man, how can I contribute? Like, how can I prove that, you know, this, this, you know the baton that you've given me, like, right. I'm going to run the fastest lap you, you've ever seen, you know, so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to make a difference in this country. Mm. Um, I want to ask you a couple final questions. This one's, <laughs> this one's called The Three Truths. Mm -hmm. If this was your last day many years from now and you achieved everything you wanted to achieve, you said everything you wanted to say, mm -hmm. you did every type of artistic expression that you wanted to do, it came true. But for whatever reason, all the content and information that you had out there, books, videos, was all erased. Mm -hmm. And you had a piece of paper and a pen that was left and you got to write down three lessons or three things you knew to be true about your experience that then you would pass on to the world and that's all they would have to remember you by. Okay. Are these three truths. 
what would you say are your three truths from your experiences to date? Uh, generosity is the key to happiness. Uh, that just came out. There you <laughs> I've go. I never <laughs> said it like that. But yeah, if I had to do three truths, like I really, I really believe that. Um, and it's so easy, and it's like it's like a it's like a cheat code in life. Like if you're ever down and feel depressed. Do something for someone else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like you'll see your day brought and you know lighten up, and you also see your worth just rise to yourself. You know, mm -hmm. we're all. I mean, especially in today's world, is you know, social media is so incredible. But at the same time, I feel like it's also adding to so many people's anxiety and yeah. like people feel like they're missing out or or, or not doing enough or running out of time. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, when you wake up and you're, you know, questioning yourself, and I have friends, and I go through it all the time. Yeah. I mean, the easiest thing is to, you know, on whatever scale, it's all relative to you, is to just try doing something for yeah. someone else. That's good. Um, second, <laughs> this might be stupid, but like, you know, stay physically active. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, you know, it's. It's not as complex as people make it. Life is, is like, there are pretty simple tools in life that could turn it around for you. And yeah. I think it's not about the aesthetic, the physical aesthetic, rather than the, the, the feeling that you feel when you're mm -hmm. physically active. Yeah. That's the other thing is like, I'm really grateful to dance for. I thought about it, like I was recording the audiobook for this and I, I was in a booth sitting for hours every day. And I was just thinking like, how lucky am I that my job requires me to move? Uh, because after the, the the session, I couldn't wait to go to the gym, mm -hmm. you know. But people, unfortunately, have to make time for the gym because yeah. their work doesn't. And I was lucky enough to constantly be moving. Uh, but yeah, moving. Yeah. Whether it's in the form of, of dance or sport or just exercise for yourself, movement is key. Uh, those two, and then the third one, the three truths. <laughs> Damn. Hmm. So what do I got? I got generosity is the key to happiness. Health. Health, movement. Movement. Uh, and that the best pizza in the world comes from Brooklyn, New York. I'm going to have to have it on Brooklyn <laughs> next time with you. I like that. Um, before I ask the final question, Val, I want to acknowledge you for your, your generosity and your gifts. You know, in a world where it's not cool to be a male dancer, you make it cool. You make it accessible and you show the power of masculinity through dance. Now, actually, you can be a masculine man, human being, and still be gracious and grateful and caring and compassionate and giving. And I think, you know, when you're leading someone on the dance floor, you're really being in service to their, to their experience. Mm. And when you're leading people in the world, you're being in service. And I think that's one of the keys to being a great human and masculinity, all those things, they, they combine for me. So I acknowledge you for following your dream as an artist and pursuing it no matter what money is involved and showing other people what's possible for themselves by pursuing that craft for being your authentic self, for showing up passionately, and for constantly pushing the envelope of what's possible. So we acknowledge you for Thanks, that, man. man. Yeah, of course. Of course. Make sure you guys get this book. 
I'll never change my name. Check them out on Instagram at I am Val C. And uh, the final question for you is, what is your definition of greatness? Damn, these questions. <laughs> what is my definition of greatness? Um, my definition of greatness is, is, is being a master of, of a craft uh, whilst using it for, you know, to help the world around them. And, and, yeah, and, and yeah, and in that process, you know, being a master and, and keeping your humility, mm. I think that's awesome. I think mm. when someone is truly a master or mastered a craft of some sort that, that they've dedicated a lifetime to, uh, and then they use that craft to make their world a better place. Mm. Wow. Appreciate you, bro. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. There you have it, my friends. I hope you enjoyed this one. I hope you got to dive in a little deeper behind the man of Val. And if you're an artist or someone who is into creativity, hopefully this inspired you to be able to continue to pursue your passion in your art and also earn some credibility and success around that, whatever success looks like to you. And as the great Albert Einstein said, never give up on what you really want to do. The person with big dreams is more powerful than the one with all the facts. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. Tag me at Lewis Howes on Instagram. Make sure to tag Val on Instagram as well or on Twitter. And the link for this is lewishowes.com slash 590. Share it out. Take a screenshot of your phone with listening to this app right now. Post it on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'd love to connect with you over on social media means the world to me that you continue to listen and more importantly than listen, that you apply these principles to your life, that you take action and implement and execute these things and make a massive impact on the people around you, your friends, your family, your loved ones. You follow through on becoming the best version of you so that you inspire those around you to do the same. You were born for greatness. This is what your destiny is and you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great.